when's the last time you were able to network with your peers in the healthcare industry? Well, now is your chance. Join us this April with over a thousand executives at Becker's 13th annual meeting to hear C-suite discussions around consumerism, the nursing workforce, value-based care, and a lot more. You can register using the link in the description. We hope to see you there. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by James Lynn, System Vice President of Facilities and Support Services at Marshfield Clinic Health System. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks for inviting me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare right now, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell me just a little bit more about yourself and your background? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, I've been in uh, workforce uh, since I was 17 years old, and I'm uh, in my mid-60s now, and so I've been at this a long time. I studied architecture, uh, got a degree in architecture, worked in architecture firms, for the first several, several years of my my uh, career, and then um, I went to work for Kaiser Permanente as a owner's representative, project manager, managing design and construction projects in California, where I'm from originally. And then I got promoted, came out to Colorado, um, and ran their facilities, planning, construction, bunch of support services for Kaiser for several years left uh, in 2005 and began doing um, what's called program management, basically managing very large uh, healthcare design and construction programs around the United States, um, most of which were in excess of a billion dollars each. And then um, uh, fast forward, my cell phone went off one day and it was the CFO for Marshfield Clinic uh, saying, hey, they need help. Um, at the time, I worked for a company called Jacobs, uh, which is a very large engineering and construction management company. And so in response to that call, I, I brought a team to Marshfield Clinic to analyze their facilities, design construction, uh, real estate, et cetera, all those programs, and um, came up with a plan for how to basically restructure and improve things. And um, Long story short, my client ended up hiring me, so I had to resign my position at Jacobs, and I've been with Marshfield Clinic now for uh, about three years. Uh, and one year prior to me becoming an employee, I was still I, I operated as a consultant, helping them uh, while I still worked for Jacobs. So, been with Marshfield a total of four years: one as a consultant, three as an employee. Wow, what an impressive career you've built and so much experience, you know, in healthcare and otherwise. What about Marshfield Clinic was attractive to you that you would say, hey, you know, I want to join the organization full time and, and really be part of the growth and development there? Well, they, at the time, they had a lot of uh, capital projects uh, that they needed to uh, execute. Uh, they were on a pretty steep growth trajectory and I felt I could be helpful in helping them manage the growth they, they, through acquisition or construction. They, when I first started at Marshfield, they had two hospitals. They now have something like 13, I believe. And um, so the, the acute care side of their business has grown dramatically in, in just a few short years. So um, I've been part of that growth, and I've been happy to support them, you know, with my experience uh, 
developing processes and procedures that have led to um, successful projects. That's great to hear. Now, looking ahead, what are some of the biggest issues that you're following in healthcare for the next year? What is really top of mind for you? Well, I mean, like a lot of healthcare organizations, uh, we're all experiencing some financial headwinds and the pandemic and inflation and sort of the quiet quitting that's been going on in all industries has affected us. And our costs have exceeded our revenues for the last several months. And we are, uh, our biggest challenge, and a lot of healthcare organizations around the country have faced the same challenges. Our biggest challenge right now is getting our finances back on track so that we can, um, you know, generate positive operating margin. It's the positive operating margin that, that we need to reinvest in ourselves to, to uh, pay for the capital projects. Uh, not just for growth, but also, you know, when we own, uh, we own roughly six and a half million square feet of real estate, uh, that requires reinvestment. Um, you know, things wear out and they need to be replaced. So uh, even with even without growth, we need that positive margin to reinvest in ourselves. So that's that's probably our biggest challenge right now is um, getting getting our finances back in order. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it really is something that, as you mentioned, so many different organizations are thinking about today and really have to, to troubleshoot. So when you look at your strategy um, and think about, you know, getting your margins back into the right place, but at the same time, you know, spending as needed, um, is there anything that you see will be um, changing or are you trying a little bit differently in the next 12 months or are you primarily, you know, getting through that time and then ideally, you know, over the next few years or so, um, riding the ship as the economy and the situation allows? Well, you know, just like a lot of organizations, we're dealing with multiple uh, change efforts all at the same time. Uh, so stacked on top of our financial situation, we are also in, in the process of merging with another similarly sized health system. Um, so we're a roughly a $3 billion a year business. The system that we're merging with is also a $3 billion a year business. So there's that. And then we also are in the midst of um, replacing our electronic health record, which um, or any anybody that's worked in healthcare understands how challenging that is and how disruptive that is. So uh, we have that, and then we've also, in the last 12 months, we've in, implemented a new um, finance system. So uh, the bugs of, are still being worked out on that. Um, so there's a lot of change efforts going on all at the same time, and overlaid with that is trying to get our finances back in order. Got it. That makes a lot of sense and it definitely will keep you busy over the next 12 months or so. What, when you think about that time frame, what are you excited about and what makes you nervous? Well, I think that, um, you know, the consequences of not getting our finances back in order are, are pretty dire. So that, that is job number one for all of us. Um, we are looking critically at the way we operate and, and looking at ways in which we can become more efficient. And um, we're also looking at uh, how, how we can better uh, provide better access for patients. Um, you know, we, 
we hear that there's a lot of patients that want to come to see us that are not able to get in to see us, and we're trying to understand exactly what it is with our with the way we operate that's preventing access uh, from being easier for our patients. And obviously, access, um, you know, appointments, procedures, et cetera, uh, that's that's the basis of our revenue. So if we can't get people in, we can't we can't make uh, money. So. Um, access is very important from that perspective, but it's also very important, you know, we're, we're a not-for-profit health system. We're here primarily to serve the communities that we, that we operate in. Um, we're only interested in making enough margin to be sustainable. We're not, you know, we're not a for-profit system. We're not trying to, you know, return money to shareholders or do any of that sort of thing. We're, we're, we're a community-based uh, non-profit health system. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and really um, it requires a lot of, you know, focus and attention in the right spaces, because as you mentioned, there's not really a, a you know, so much you can do um, outside of being able to make those financials one way or another work and then continue to provide great care for the community, um, which is such an interesting challenge right now. Um, and especially as the healthcare environment changes and the health system and delivery system evolves, what do you think is most important for leaders to think about? How can they be successful over the next two to three years or so? Are there any skills or resources or, or teams that they need around them to, to really thrive? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of change in the healthcare space, uh, both in the United States and globally. And the trend seems to be, you know, utilizing technology for patients to be able to uh, have conversations with their providers without actually having to come to a building. Um, and those conversations can be through email, through text, through various kinds of patient portals. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, we want care to be convenient, easy, and affordable for people. And we believe that this t these various technologies uh, are going to be the um, wave of the future. There's a lot of people getting into the healthcare space that weren't pre previously in it. Uh, companies like Amazon and Google, and um, drugstore companies like CVS and Walgreens, uh, they're they're all getting into the healthcare space because they they think they may be able to provide easier access for patients. And um, healthcare is a huge, huge industry in this country. It's it's a multi-trillion-dollar industry, and um, uh, these these large technology companies are looking at healthcare as as possibly another um, line of business for them. But as a not-for-profit health system with over a hundred years of of uh, experience, um, and uh, we're dedicated to the communities that we that we serve. Um, you know, we're not we're not out to be opportunistic like an Amazon or a Google. We're we're there to serve the communities that we've been in for for many many years. Uh, but technology and access, that's got to be part of our toolkit um, in order to uh, provide reasonable access and also to be to survive in this in this incredible environment. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's really helpful to think about. And when you look at the technology coming into the space, um, for a leader to work with their teams to implement these new technologies, 
whether it's, you know, I, I know you mentioned going through the EHR transitions and then, you know, other ways that patients can access care, virtual care and telehealth. Um, what is necessary for communicating and, and leading through some of these changes and really, you know, making sure the team's all on board for doing what's best for the community? That's a good question. I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, you know, what we're doing is um, we're, we're trying to evolve our providers, our workforce into, into you know, technologies that provide better access. And, but we have, you know, our, our patients are, are quite diverse. We have some that are in rural communities that don't have good internet access. We have some that are in communities where, you know, it's um, uh, just like being in a city and they have all the uh, internet access and technology availability that you'd have in any large city. Um, so we have to we have to be careful to to tailor our services and our our access uh, to to the patients that we serve. Um, so that that makes it more challenging than than a health system that's based just in a large city where um, it, it it could be assumed that a very high percentage of their patients all have internet. Um, our patients it's quite variable depending on where they live. That makes sense. Well, James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. All right. Well, thank you very much.